Would you pray with me? Uh, Father God, we thank you for your goodness. I uh, thank you for the goodness that is displayed in your creation, uh, in your word. Thank you for the goodness that is seen in your grace, in your mercy, uh, your steadfast love that you've shown to us through your son, Jesus. Uh, this morning, we pause and we give you thanks for, uh, for being a good, good God and being a good God to us, Lord. God, thank you so much for your living and active word. Uh, thank you that you have uh, revealed yourself to us through your Son and by your Spirit. I uh, thank you that you have given to us uh, your word that you use to form and shape and change us. We pray that you might do that this morning. Uh, God, we love you. We thank you so much for loving us first. Uh, we pray these things in Jesus' name and by your Spirit. Amen. Morning, church family. How are you? Essentially terrible. Essentially terrible. That's okay. That's okay. I still love you. Uh, it's good to see you. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to James chapter 3. Uh, James chapter 3. We're going to continue our steer- series uh, from the book of James. Uh, as you are turning there, you may not realize it, but you have in your possession the most powerful weapon on the planet. You can't sell it to the Ukrainians. It won't be detected if you walk into a government building. Uh, No one is going to find you out as you walk through airport security. Uh, And yet the reality this morning is that you cannot leave home without it. As a matter of fact, it's just as dangerous in the home as it is outside of the home. Uh, This weapon can give life and it can take life. It can build up and it can destroy. It can grow a relationship or it can snuff out and kill a relationship. It is packed with potential and power for good or for evil. Your words, your words are powerful. And think for a moment about the words that we say or speak or hear sometimes on a daily basis. Words like, I love you or I hate you. I can't wait to see you again or I hope I never see you again. It's all your fault or I'm so sorry. Dream it, do it, or that's a pipe dream. That's never going to happen. I believe in you, or I don't believe you. Words are powerful. Some of you are where you are and who you are today because someone came alongside of you and spoke words of life into your soul. And some of you are who you are and where you are because someone came alongside of you and spoke what seem to be words of death. Think about life-giving words for a moment. Words like, you're doing a good job or you're smart or you can do it or I believe in you. That's a great idea. I'm so excited for you. I love you. I'm proud of you. You bring me joy. 
or you don't have what it takes. You can never do that. I don't believe you. That's never going to work. That's a bad idea. Remember, I told you so. You'll never amount to anything. You're so difficult. Words are powerful. And so use them wisely. Now this is the challenge that James gives to us in James chapter 3 verses 1 through 12. Uh, If you haven't turned there yet, I would encourage you to do so. James chapter 3 verses 1 through 12. Uh, The passage will be on the screen if you want to follow along with the YouVersion app. You can go to YouVersion, search events, look for Christ Point Church and you can uh, follow along there as well. Uh, James, the half-brother of Jesus, writes to the church and says, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Uh, For we all stumble in many ways, and if someone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, also able to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also, though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. Verse 7, For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. James begins this section to the church with a warning, and he warns a specific group of people. He warns aspiring teachers. He said in verse 1, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers. Not not many of you. He says to the aspiring teachers in the group, are you sure? (laughs) Like, (laughs) are you sure? This is really what you want. I wouldn't be so sure. Jesus says to the aspiring teachers in the crowd, in the church, be careful what you wish for. When I was in high school, I approached my pastor after service one Sunday, and I said to him, Dr. Dorenzo, I would like to set up an appointment with you. It was a relatively large church, and he probably didn't have many students approach him and ask for a meeting. And so he asked me, uh, 
sure. Uh, James, what would you like to talk about? And I told him I would like to talk about becoming a pastor. And he looked at me and said, don't. He was joking. Sort of. He wanted me to, to give it some thought and to be sure. Uh, James writes to the church, to those, aspire, to those who aspire to teach or to preach, and he says, don't. Or, or at the very least, he says, hit pause and give it some careful thought. This isn't because people who wanted to teach or preach weren't gifted in teaching and preaching. It wasn't because they weren't qualified. Some likely were. But just because they could preach and teach doesn't mean that they should. Why? Why would James say that? Well, well he tells us that many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. To, to be a teacher, a preacher, or in that day, a rabbi, to, to be someone who would take uh, the very Word of God and say to a group of people, this is what it means. This is what God means. Uh, that is a weighty endeavor. James isn't writing to the church and saying it's not important. He's not arguing that we don't need capable and able and godly preachers and teachers of the Word. I think what James is doing is sending a reminder to the church that the task that you aspire to is a big deal. So don't take it lightly. In that day and age, there, there was a certain weight that came with being a teacher or a rabbi, someone who would take the Word of God and teach it to others. In a society where uh, many people couldn't read or didn't have access to books, uh, the one who stood and spoke and taught had a position of authority in that culture. They had influence. They had sway. And so James writes to the church and says, be careful. Be careful. And then he tells them why. Not only because those who teach will be judged with greater strictness, or in other words, those who teach will be responsible for the words that they speak. I feel that, by the way. Uh, but also be careful because the tongue, our words, the, say, the things that we say or speak have power to influence. And oh, by the way, nobody, nobody can control the tongue always. James said in verse 2, For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man also able to bridle his own body. <laughs> Houston, we have a problem. Uh, there are no perfect men, there are no perfect women here this morning, which means that all of us, at one point or another in our lives, have wrestled with our words. There's no exception. I, I know sometimes, <laughs> I'm, I'm not a fan when people lump me into large categories. 
and say everybody struggles with fill in the blank. But James writes to the church and says everybody struggles with this. Everybody struggles. It is a, it is a problem. It is an ongoing issue. It is a battle for us all. This warning about speech is not unique to the book of James. Uh, if you've made your way through Scripture before, you know there are plenty of places where Scripture warns us about the words that we speak. Uh, Proverbs is full of instruction for us. Proverbs 16, verses 27 through 28 come to mind. A worthless man plots evil, and his speech is like a scorching fire. A dishonest man spreads strife, and a whisperer separates close friends. Proverbs eighteen seven through 8 A fool's mouth is his rune, and his lips are a snare to his soul. Uh, the words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body. Our words are powerful, and our words can be dangerous. How many times have we lost a friendship? Have we inflicted hurt or pain? Have we experienced division in our lives or in our churches? Uh, because we or someone else we know has been loose uh, with the tongue. I mean, have you ever said something you regretted before? I mean, just this morning? Have you ever shared disparaging remarks about someone behind his or her back? Have you ever felt like it was your responsibility and role to put someone in their place, even though you and the other person weren't even in the same place? Have you ever found yourself saying something to your husband, to your wife, to your son or to your daughter that almost immediately after you spoke the words, you wish that you could take them back? Has there ever been a time when you've walked away from a conversation and thought to yourself, you know, I really didn't need to say that. Have you ever tried to be funny only to realize the other person didn't find your joke nearly as funny as you did. Uh, if you know me, maybe, just maybe, I'm stepping on my own toes there. If we were all wired for sound and the tail of the tape uh, were to be released on iTunes, uh, something uh, tells me that we would not only be the talk of the town, but we would never want to go out into town. Uh, James tells the church, uh, if that's you, uh, you have company. Because uh, all of us have been there. James doesn't say that to make light or to belittle the fact that this is a struggle at some point for everyone. You know, sometimes we do that with our brokenness or our sin. We can kind of come together and we go, oh, like who among us hasn't struggled with that before? 
No, the Bible doesn't do that. The Bible goes, no, we, no, this is an issue that we struggle with. And it's appropriate to feel the weight. And it's appropriate to feel the weight because even though words are small little things, they are very powerful. All of us, regardless of young or old, all of us, male, female, adults, kids, we all have mighty mouths. We all have mighty mouths. Small, but powerful. Now, James gives three examples. James chapter 3, verse 3, if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Verse 4, look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. James gives three examples of the power of the tongue, how small it is, and yet the significant impact that it can make. He talks about the bit in the mouth of a horse. right? He, he talks about the rudder that steers a ship. And he talks about a spark that has the ability or capability of starting a fire. Uh, think about the bit in the, horse, uh, in the horse's mouth. I don't know if you're familiar with a bit before, but I asked my friend if she would bring a horse's bit this morning. And so I have one right here. This is a this is a bit. This little guy uh, goes into the mouth of a horse, right? I'm not gonna. I've been told it's still dirty, so I'm not gonna put it in my mouth. Let's take it by faith. I actually was speaking with one of our elders this morning. He's like, "What's that?" I'm like, "It's a bit that you put into the mouth of a horse." He's like, "Whose mouth are you gonna put it in?" And there just was awkward silence. Just joking, Billy. <clears throat> The bit goes into the mouth of a horse. I don't know if you've stood next to a horse before. I don't know if you've been on top of a horse before and ridden a horse. They're beautiful animals. I mean, they are strong and they are powerful. They are breathtaking. I mean, if, if you were to stand next to a horse or sit on top of it, you just feel the power of that animal. And this, this little guy, and the horse's mouth can steer a horse to the left or to the right. Isn't that amazing? James writes to the, to the church and says, our, our words are like the bit in, in a horse's mouth. It, it's seemingly small. Seemingly small. But it, but it can guide and it can direct and it can move. It can set the course. For, for a large animal. Our, our tongues, our words, uh, set the course for life. Uh, James continues, he says, not only are our words like the, the bit in the mouth of a horse, but he, he also says our words are like the rudder of a ship. Verse 4, look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, and yet it boasts of great things. Uh, many years ago, I was asked to go out on a sailboat with my in-laws, uh, with Melissa, and my father-in-law's really good friend. He had a beautiful sailboat. And it was this massive sailboat. And we went out 
on Lake Michigan, and they said, James, do you want to steer the ship? Uh, to which I replied, no. No, I don't. He said, no, 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 do it. I don't know anything about sailing. I don't know sailing terms. I'm like, listen, I don't want the steering wheel. He's like, well, listen, there's a different name for it. It's been like at the helm of the boat. It's not technically a steering wheel. I'm like, regardless, I don't want it. He goes, no, 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 give it a try, give it a try. You'll do great. It's easy, it's easy. And so I did it. I got behind the helm, the, the steering wheel, and, and I was like, seen Gilligan's Island before. You know, I know the skipper. I'm like, I can, okay, I'll just fake it, fake it till you make it. And I'm steering the ship. The thing that I didn't realize is that when you're holding on to the wheel, like you don't have to turn it very far to the left or to the right for the rudder and the water to turn and then for the wind that was hitting the sails at a particular direction uh, to switch and to swing the sail clear across the other side of the boat. Normally that's not a problem unless your mother-in-law is strategically located in the center of the boat. Right, so there's the mat, there's the sails, there's the mass that goes vertically, horizontally, there's a thing called the boom. I didn't know what that was, but then when I saw my mother-in-law dive out of the way, it all made sense to me. I'm like, if that thing hits her, she's gonna go boom. Like, this is not gonna be good, right? I, I, I came, <laughs> I came face to face with the ability of a large ship, a sailboat, uh, to, to be turned ever so slightly by just turning a seemingly or comparatively small rudder in the water. James writes to the church and says, our, our words are like that. They're seemingly small, maybe even insignificant in comparison. And, and yet, they steer and change direction and cause us to, to move a particular way. The tongue, although a small member, yet it boasts of great things. The tongue is small comparatively, and yet it is powerful. Just like the bit in the horse's mouth, just like a rudder in the water that steers the ship. And James continues and gives another example. He says, how great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. In 2018, the largest forest fire in the history burned through parts of California. Uh, it is known as the Ranch Fire. It burned through four counties in that summer. The blaze left one firefighter dead. It destroyed 280 structures and it burned more than 410,000 acres. After an investigation, the California Department of Forestry and Fire Protection determined that the ranch fire was caused by a spark of a hot metal fragment from a hammer driving a metal stake into the ground. I mean, think about that. It's just a small spark from a hammer hitting a metal stake. The spark lands on the ground. 410,000 acres. One spark. James writes the church and uh, says to them, your words, are powerful. Your words can direct, your words can move, your words can influence. Maybe you hear that this morning and you think to yourself, well, James, come on. I mean, come on. 
Like words are just words. Remember when you were a little kid, when, when you recited the sticks and stones may break your bones, but names will never hurt me? You ever say that growing up? Man, that's a, that's a lie. That's a lie. Man, are our words powerful. Our words can be used to set the course of life. James wrote in James chapter 3, verse 6, And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brother, my brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. The tongue, the tongue, it is your inconsistent, untamable pace setter in life. It is our inconsistent, untamable pace setter in life. The, the tongue is our pace setter. It is a GPS of sorts. It sets on fire the entire course of life. And think about that for a second. The tongue sets on fire the entire course of life. I mean, some of you can look back and, and think back five years, ten years, twenty years, fifty years, and you remember words that were spoken uh, to you that tore you apart. I mean, they, they broke you. And some of you probably remember words that were spoken to you years ago or decades ago, and, and they were words of life to you. Words are powerful. They set on a course our, our, our lives, our very lives. The tongue is untamable, though. James gives examples of animals that can all be tamed, and yet the tongue cannot. And the, uh, the whip can keep the lion at bay. Uh, the, the trainer can make the elephant stand up on his hind legs. Most domestic dogs can actually be trained, from what I've been told. Most. And we can tame animals. But no one can tame uh, the tongue. Uh, the tongue also is inconsistent. If you want to grasp the, the power and the danger of the tongue, consider uh, the words that oftentimes come out of our mouths. On one hand, we use those words to, to build up and to lift up, and on the other hand, we use words to tear down. We've done this in relationships before, we've done this in friendships before, we've done this in marriage before, we've done this in parenting before. The same words that are used to encourage and cheer someone on there, there are other words that are used to keep that individual, that person, that man, that woman, that boy, that girl at a distance. Isn't that crazy? Just the, the power of our words. Just a handful of letters arranged just so. Placed next to other words 
makes a sentence. And that sentence gives life or it takes life. The, the tongue is inconsistent. On one hand, with our words, we praise the God of the universe. We say, God, I, I love you. God, I, I love you. You are, you are good, God. You are good. And then with the same mouth, we, we speak disparaging words toward people that God created in His image. Men and women who have value and worth. Men and women who are masterpieces that God made. Just like He made you and, and, and stood back and said, it is good. He made that other person too and stood back and said, it is good. He is good. She is good. And yet with our mouths, we praise the God who made us. And with the same mouth, we, we tear down those created in the image of God. And no one is perfect with their speech. No one is perfect with their speech. This is an issue at, at some point for us all. The tongue is small but has a huge impact in life. The tongue is untamable. It's inconsistent. And so what, what are we to do? What are we to do? Well, number one, when you say something that you shouldn't, when I say something that I shouldn't, when we speak words that we shouldn't, we repent and we seek forgiveness. Like we come clean, we, we confess. This is true in friendships and relationships. This is true if you're here this morning and you're, you're married, you've experienced this. I hope in your marriage where you say something and you're going, oh, you have to go back and say, I, and I was... I was, I was wrong. I'm, I'm really sorry. Like we, we confess. We go to the person who we've hurt with our words or who we've talked about, and we, we go to the God who made them and made us. And, and we know that God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins when we confess them before Him. But we go to God. Uh, secondly, we, we remember that we cannot tame the tongue, uh, but God can. We cannot tame the tongue, but God can. What I mean by that is that God changes people. Because this is an ongoing struggle for us and will be an ongoing struggle for all of us until we take our last breath, uh, know that that does not mean that God cannot and will not change you. He he does. He he changes us. And, And so we go to Him and we ask God to change our hearts. And and in doing that, we are looking to Jesus as the only source of our hope and our source of life. We look to Jesus, the Word, who only spoke perfect words. Jesus spoke words of life. He spoke words of peace. He spoke words that healed. He spoke words that forgave. He spoke words that offered life and defeated death. He spoke words that glorified His Father in heaven. And so we fix our eyes on him. We go to the Lord and we say, God, would you would, would you change me? Like would you change me? Because the the issue that we face is not simply the words that we use. We know this, right? The issue isn't simply that the words that we use or say or speak. That I understand that is an issue, but those words flow out of our hearts. But the issue ultimately is that we have fickle hearts, and so our our words are an overflow of who we are. 
This is why Luke chapter 6, verse 45 says, The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Or, as the NIV says, For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And so we go to God and we say, God, change change my heart. Like I want, I want to be full of goodness. I want to be full of words of life. I, 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 want, I want Jesus to come inside me and change me uh, from the inside out. Uh, I really believe that when we pray prayers like that, God hears and delights in answering them. And so let's pray together this morning that God would do that in us. Would you pray with me? Lord, I confess to you that uh, that there are there are times in life when um, my own words, instead of giving life, uh, seem to do just the opposite. And so I I ask for uh, for your forgiveness, Lord. I suspect that that is uh, the case for for each and every one of us here. We, we probably can think of. Uh, comments that were made or a conversation that was had, a, a run-in, uh, an experience, a, a moment in time, a phone call, an email, a conversation uh, that we would like to have back. And so we, we just want to be open and honest with you. You know already, and we just come before you, and uh, we ask for your forgiveness, and we pray that you might help us. Lord, would you change our hearts? If it's true that our words flow out of our hearts, then I pray that you would uh, renew our hearts, give us hearts that long for uh, the things that you long for and love the things that you love. And we need your help to do that, and so we pray for it this morning. Uh, God, we love you. We thank you so much for loving us first. We pray these things in Jesus' name and by your Spirit. Amen.